It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After trading away their best glove, Tucker Barnhart, the Cincinnati Reds are looking up at everyone else in the NL Central when it comes to fielding. The proposed shift rules mean that Jose Barrero has to be the everyday shortstop, and there's a whole lot more to get to when it comes to the glove. Plus, the players made an offer. The owners couldn't do anything but refuse. At least that's how they put it. Roll the intro. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside host Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we are going to take a look at where the Reds' defense ranks in the National League Central And then we're also going to check in on the latest from the CBA negotiations where uh, they are still playing a lot of point-counterpoint without a lot of movement. Uh, But before we get into the CBA, let's talk a little bit of defense, Jeff, because uh, some of the things that are being proposed will affect the defense, some of it not positively. Uh, Some of the proposals will uh, benefit a certain youngster that's trying to become the everyday shortstop. And I think... uh, As far as the Reds' defense goes right now on paper, we keep doing that. We keep talking about how we think they look right now on paper. And, uh, you know, it's not a fun exercise because there's nothing changing about the paper we're looking at as long as this lockout remains in effect. But, you know, for me, I've been trying to take an honest approach to where they rank defensively in this division. And... Every one of these rankings we do, I keep coming in around three, four. I keep they keep jockeying that position, and this one's no different for me, Jeff. I think that the Brewers probably have a little bit better defense than they do when you take all things into consideration, and I think the Cardinals probably have a little bit better defense than we do when you take all things into consideration, and then I think we're slightly better than the Cubs right now, uh, which puts us at three. That's uh, that's where I feel the Reds sit right now. And wow, uh, okay. it's not a fun place to be. So you you tell me why I'm wrong. Well, see, this is funny because normally I'm the optimistic one. Normally I'm the one that you are talking down. I think we have the worst defense in the division. Um, oh my god, the the Brewers and Cardinals. If you look and. and Look, I'm not going to get too crazy into numbers because I don't think there is a statistic that really explains enough. Like, it's hard to say if there's one statistic that explains pitching or explains hitting or whatever. I don't even know that there is a statistic that explains a good chunk of fielding to help you understand that. So I don't necessarily think that there's one end-all, be-all number. But one of the numbers that people love to use is defensive runs saved. The... Brewers and Cardinals were in the top five of the National League last year. The Cubs were in the middle of the pack so far as the National League is concerned, and those didn't change a whole lot. I mean, now they lost you know, some of their mainstays there, but Frank Schwindel's still a pretty decent defensive first baseman. They got to figure out their shortstop thing. I don't know that Nico Horner's their everyday shortstop, but then when it comes to the Reds, all right, Joey Votto, He's pretty decent defensively. The range really isn't there, but you don't need a ton of range at first base. Jonathan India, 
really looking forward to seeing how he continues to grow. He showed some really good stuff at second base last year. Shortstop, I think Jose Barrero is an upgrade over Kyle Farmer. Eugenio Suarez at third base or Mike Moustakas. They can field. Ish. I don't know how good. Um, I think they're serviceable. He's a lot better. Suarez is a lot better at third base than he is at shortstop. We know that. Gosh, we both got that one wrong last year um, when we're talking about bad takes. But, no, I I think I look at this infield, and and we'll talk about the outfield in a minute, and you put it all together, and and this team – I don't know that the shift helps them, but I don't know that it could hurt them any more than they already are. They are not getting the kind of defensive reinforcements that they need to make up the gap. Like maybe Jose Barrera can do it, but I, I look at this team and I think they are the worst defensive team in the division. Well, I hope you're wrong, Jeff. And <laughs> I hope I am know, too. Just with some of the, with with some of the things you just said, uh, you know, I agree with Joey Votto. Um, you know, there was a time where he really put some effort into improving his defense, and he did improve his defense. Um, yep. You know, he's not going to hurt you over there at first base, Jonathan India. I'm kind of excited to see how he continues to develop. We've yep. talked about that both offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, he was asked to go out there and play second base at the major league level as a rookie and be the leadoff hitter and carry the team on his back. You know, not too much to ask from a youngster, right? But I think that what India showed us is that he can handle pressure and that he's going to work and he's going to get better. And I think that his second base play will improve this year. A shortstop, uh, Jose Bro is absolutely an upgrade over Kyle Farmer. And listen, I know the Kyle Farmer fan club is going to start blowing up my Twitter DMs and is going to start, you know, atting me left and right about, you know, don't disparage Kyle Farmer. But the fact of the matter is that Kyle Farmer was a below average offensively at the shortstop position and defensively, he was pretty average. He held his own and, and, and there's not a great metric for it. There was a lot of scooting him around, a lot of shifts, a lot of defensive positioning helped making him look better than other options. But with the shift gone, you need the old style shortstop out there. Someone that can cover a lot of ground, someone that can range both to their left and to their right, knocking down balls up the middle and helping out what is a weak maybe slightly below average defensive third base platoon that's going to need a little bit of help. So with, with, with the shift going away, and I think that that's what's going to happen ultimately, I think that the one person on this team that it's great for is Jose Barrero because it allows the defense to play a larger part in the decision-making process of who is going to be the everyday shortstop for this team. Here's the biggest question, I think, when it comes to Jose Barrero. And it's interesting because, I mean, we're talking about fielding. We're talking about where the Reds rank within the NL Central and their fielding and defensive prowess. The biggest question I have for Jose Barrero isn't necessarily whether he can field. It's whether he can hit enough to be an everyday shortstop. And that comes into this equation because he is better defensively than Kyle Farmer. But will there be a point that if he just doesn't figure out the whole plate discipline thing, if he just doesn't figure out how to lay off, he he really had trouble with those low and inside pitches and he would swing at him. He'd be totally far away from him. That was something that whenever I watched him play last year was a huge bugaboo for him. If he can't figure that out, where is the point or is there a point this season where the Reds say, maybe we got a platoon a little bit, which it's not a righty lefty platoon because they're both right-handed, but is there a point where they say we can't play him every day? 
Let's let's not get confused about the offensive juggernaut that is Kyle Farmer. <laughs> no, Kyle no, no, Farmer no. was 20% below league average as a hitter last season, and he was only that good because he had a phenomenal July. If if his July is like the rest of the season, we're talking about a shortstop that was 30 to 35% below league average. So, you know, that mark, that that line is not that high for Jose Barrero to reach. He doesn't have to be the rookie of the year candidate. He doesn't have to go out and be the the leadoff hitting on-base percentage winning shortstop for this team. He has to be 20% below league average. If he does that with his upgrade at defense, he's the guy you play. I think I think it's a great situation for Barrero to take over that spot and not have a ton of pressure on him to go out and and have to to reach unrealistic offensive benchmarks through the course of a season. I mean, I'm interested to see how the Reds handle this because I think that they're telling us that they're not going crazy and doing the whole Dick Williams thing and going all in. But I still wonder with what the expanded postseason might look like, is it a situation where they could go out and trade to get another shortstop? Could they go out and get, I mean, Willie Adamas isn't out there like he was last year, but could they go out and get like an Andres Jimenez from Cleveland or Jimenez, I think is how it's pronounced actually, um, or something like that. Could they bring in a guy like that and upgrade the shortstop position? Probably that's, that's, another discussion for another time, but I do wonder at what point or, or do they just, you know, they just say sink or swim when it comes to, well, Jeff, I mean, honestly, if they're going to go out and address one position and make one move, which is probably all I think they have in them, they need to be looking at the outfield. Shortstop is not where it's at. The outfield is a much bigger problem. Yes, they do, Stephen. Actually, that's a good segue because we're going to segue into the outfield. We're going to talk about why the question marks in the outfield just make the whole entire outfield itself a huge question mark and only continue to fuel my pessimism. Yeah, I know pessimism. I don't say that word very often, but my pessimism when it comes to this Reds defense. That's all coming up here in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about some Built Bar. you got to go to Built.com today and check out the deals that they've got. First of all, I've got a deal for you. Locked 15. You use that promo code to check out. You'll save 15% off your next order. The reason you should get Built Bar, there's so many reasons. Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They have the health statistics of a Joey Votto. They're the Joey Votto of protein bars because they taste amazing. They don't have that chalky or waxy mouth feel and they're all chocolate i mean you got amazing flavors too like cherry barcia like coconut like peanut butter brownie like white chocolate cookies and cream which is the limited time flavor right now built.com plus you've got the puffs i'm a huge puff guy just got a box in of puffs banana cream coconut marshmallow yeah i about said coconut cream coconut marshmallow puff and churro puff Tastes like a cinnamon toast crunch built bar. Come on, go get some at built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. Talking about 130 calories on average per bar and up to 18 grams of protein. Seriously, that makes no sense why you wouldn't try it. Go do it today. Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15. Make sure to give Locked On MLB Prospects a listen after today's podcast. Lindsey Crosby is a minor league encyclopedia and will keep you up to date on the up-and-coming players, as well as some college baseball talk. The Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is free and available 
on all platforms. Speaking of free and available on all platforms, so are we. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. You can also follow us on Twitter at S. Offenbaker for Steve and at Jeff Carr with three F's for mine. It's easy to remember, three F's. And at Locked On Reds for the show. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube because when we talk about all platforms, YouTube is included. And Steve, this defense is rough. The infield, I think the infield's a little bit more set in stone, though, than the outfield because the outfield, we don't even know who's playing two positions, although I think the Reds are trying to tell us that Nixon Zell's basically going to be the center fielder. I don't know how to feel about that. Tyler Aquin's going to be the everyday right fielder. That's a different conversation for the lineup-wise. Defensively, that's okay, but still... What on earth is going on with this outfield that last year it was pretty intuitive as to who was playing? It is very difficult to look at this outfield and and even make a best guess about exactly what it is that's going to happen out there. Uh, you know, will this finally be the year that Jesse Winker can play 130, 140, 150 games? Same question for Nick Senzel. Will this finally be the year that he can play 130, 140, 150 games? Who knows? Absent uh, a miracle re-signing of Nick Castellanos, uh, it looks like there's going to be at least one outfield position that's a platoon that's going to be based more about offensive production than it is defensive production. So I think that, you know, when we're ranking a defense for this team and looking at, you know, it's weak spot for, for whatever we want to say about shortstop and third base on the infield for whatever we want to say about losing uh, Tucker Barnhart and replacing him with a uh, young Tyler Stevenson, who still is finding his way. Uh, this outfield has so many more question marks and it's really difficult to address other than to say that the one outfielder that we know is going to be there in Jesse Winker is really not that great a glove either. So there is definitely going to be some ground to cover out there and I'm not sure who they're going to have doing it. Yeah, Jesse's the guy that honestly, if it's within his range, it's a pretty solid bet that he's going to get to it. His range just isn't very good. He, he doesn't have a very wide range there in left field. And center field, all you need to know about center field is the fact that when Dan Simborski put together his Zips projection, and I've said this before on the pod, but when he put together his Zips projections, he actually had TJ Friedel getting the most amount of playing time in center field. We've talked about this before. If that's the case, the Reds are definitely not a playoff team. But you're talking about the possibility of a lefty-righty platoon with TJ Friedel and Nixon Zell in center. You're talking about a lefty-righty platoon of Aristides Aquino and uh, Tyler Aquin in left or in right field. And yeah, I know that face. That face. That's the face that we're all making when we think about this because the Reds absolutely have to go get somebody. If it's not Nick Castellanos, I get it. He makes a lot of money. The Reds don't want to pay a lot of money. We, we've talked about that ad nauseum. I'm not going to get into that conversation right now. Go get somebody else. I saw spot track said that, you know, Kyle Schwarber could make average annual value of like 13 million. That's less than Nick Castellanos made last year. IE the Reds would save money if they go out and sign him for that. Now, whether or not he actually signs for that totally a different conversation as well, but I'm, that's what we're talking about here. You could still get a decent right fielder. If you go add somebody, don't tell me that the outfield is situated right now because it is not. But I will say this, Jeff, if we're talking defense only, if we're only mm -hmm. looking at defense, which is kind of what we're doing today, 
That platoon of Aquino and Naquin in right field is not bad defensively. True. Now, if you know, I don't want to talk about what that offensive number is going to look like <laughs> because, oh man, but defensively, they can cover territory in right field. And I, from a glove standpoint, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the center field combo you just missed, you just mentioned, I don't know. I don't think we have enough uh, sample size of TJ Friedel to really know what we can get long term from him. Uh, Nick Senzel has proven to be an excellent defensive outfielder that gets hurt and crashes into things and, you know, throws his body at the wall and um, he needs to stop that. He shouldn't do that. Um, If he stops running into the wall, maybe he can play 150 games. So So what you're saying is center field field will be nailed down for like a month. Mm, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that first month might be, you know, July is going to be great. And then from there, I don't know, but but yeah, you know, the outfield, you, you, you hit it on the head. The outfield is just a giant question mark, and well, it's, it's a little concerning. Yeah, and plus you add in the equation, and I think that uh, some of the proposals have had the shift being banned in 2023, so maybe not right away this year, but once that shift is banned, you're going to need those range guys in the outfield. So that really puts a lot more pressure on Jesse Winker in left and whoever else is playing everywhere else. Plus you need a good arm. Aquino's got a pretty decent arm. Naquins isn't that great. Um, Nixon Zells is it's okay. Again, TJ Friedel is still in the area of mm, don't know. So when I look at this outfield, I still look at it almost as the biggest reason why the defensive ranking for the Reds in my mind is so low. Again, you are higher on them than I am. You have them ranked third in the division. I have them ranked fifth. And honestly, and, and we haven't even really touched on this too much, but and I mentioned this in the cold open too. Tucker Barnhart's not coming back. He's playing for the Tigers now. Tyler Stevenson is pretty solid defensively, but he's no Tucker Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart was the best defensive catcher outside of Jacob Stallings in the National League last year. And I don't necessarily think that Tyler Stevenson is going to be at that level this season. So I, I wonder or if he will ever get to that level. So I wonder where that fall off in talent wise onto the defensive side of the ball is going to be felt. We'll probably see it more maybe in like a curveball that hits the dirt, a sunny gray curveball that hits the dirt or, you know, a sinker baller or something like that. So I, I, I don't know that uh, that messes them up too much, but still, I just I don't think this team is very good on the fielding side of the ball. Well, Jeff, this is one of the few times that, you know, I'm a little more optimistic than you. Uh, I guess only time is going to tell. Uh, whenever the season does start, we'll get the answer to some of these questions. And the odds makers have weighed in with the lines of when they think the baseball season will start. And if you want to learn about that and you want to learn about lots more, head on over to betonline.net. Betonline.net has you covered for 2022 with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates on the current games as they happen. You know, March Madness is right around the corner. It's a great time to head over there, get yourself informed, and get ready to, uh, to pick the underdog Cinderella story winner of this March Madness season. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available to you in 2022 at BetOnline.net. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. 
Jeff, there's been something I needed to ask you about. Uh, I know you're, you're smart about these kind of things. Uh, I need to order a couple parts for my truck. And I was wondering if you could recommend somebody to kind of help me with that. Yeah, the best place for that is rockauto.com, Steve. You can find all of the parts that your car will ever need. And I'm telling you, if you got a car from this year, if you got a car from like 1962, they've got all the parts that you need. Whether you're looking for a brake pad, maybe you need a tail lamp, maybe you need a tailpipe, maybe you need some new carpet for your car. You can find it at rockauto.com, the best place for all of your auto part needs. Plus, you're talking about some crazy price markups. If you go to that store down the street from you, you might see 20, 30, 50, maybe even 100% markups on the same parts that you can get at rockauto.com. They've got reliably low prices that you can trust. Head on over there today, rockauto.com. And in that checkout section, in the how'd you hear about us area, type locked on to let them know, to let, don't let Steve know, let <laughs> Rock Auto know that Steve and I sent you. That's rockauto.com. And in the checkout section, in the how'd you hear about us area, type in locked on. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. When this season starts, we have some announcements or some fun stuff you are definitely not going to want to miss. It'll all be right there in the YouTube feed. Go over there, click that subscribe button today. All right, Jeff, it's talk we try to avoid. We don't like to talk about it, but I feel like we probably have to talk about it. And that's to check in on what is going on with the collective bargaining agreement negotiations uh, as far as uh, the Major League Baseball owners versus the Major League Baseball's Players Association. Uh, there's not been a lot of movement. They've they've agreed to to meet halfway on a few of the numbers that you were talking about on our last episode. Uh, but there were some things to come out of this that are very interesting. The Players Association has agreed that if they get uh, an agreement, they are willing to let Major League Baseball make some rules changes. Uh, one of them we've talked about already. That's going to be banning the shift as soon as 2023. Uh, a couple of the other changes that were agreed upon, uh, assuming uh, an overall agreement is reached, is the bases are going to be made bigger, six inches bigger for first, second, and third base. And then there's going to be a pitch clock that apparently will now be enforced to increase the pace of play in the game. And I'm not sure which one of these you want to start with, Jeff. We talked about the shift a little bit. I'd like to dive in on this increase in base size, if you don't mind, because yeah. one of the one of the ways it's being framed is that this is being done to eliminate some collisions, both at first and second base uh, on the base paths. And I had a conversation on Twitter today with our friend over at RedsMinorLeagues.com, uh, Doug Gray, and he believes that's the primary driver for this rules change. But I think another one of the things that Major League Baseball is trying to do with this is to maybe jumpstart the running game a little bit, bring back the stolen base. We need a new Ricky Henderson, a new greatest of all time in the league, and this would be one way to do that. But if that's what they're trying to do, what I really want from them, Jeff, is for them to enforce the bulk rule. I want to see an end of the shimmying and the shaking and the toe tapping and the dancing on the mound that results in a pitch finally being delivered at some point in time. I want pitchers to come set. I want them to come set for like a full second. And I want to get back to good old fashioned baseball where pickoff moves matter and stolen bases matter and a great defensive arm at home plate matters. That's where I would like to get. See, and I, I, I kind of like the, 
the hard line rule there for the come set for one second. And the first guy that I think of with that is Mike Clevenger, the guy that just dances on the mound, never puts both feet down at one time, and then goes into his motion and throws. I think that that is something that, sure, that's deterred the running game, but then you also see the advent of, you know, the likelihood of a stolen base, the likelihood of being caught stolen, you know, being caught stolen on base. And then what that does to your expected run total, that's something that's really affected everything going on there. I think that the bigger base size would encourage the running game a lot more. And it would make for a little bit more offense on that side too. You'd have more hit and runs. You'd have a lot more running hits. You'd have a lot more stolen bases. I mean, I mean, the Reds were a team that really outside of Jonathan India, who do you actually want to attempt a stolen base right now? Maybe that and maybe that list would increase a little bit if you knew that there was a better likelihood of them getting there. Because as of right now, it's a pretty easy thing, I I think, to throw out most of these guys in the lineup if they were to try and attempt a stolen base. That's probably not wrong, but some of that is just nobody works on it anymore. Yeah. Nobody focuses on trying to get a good jump. Nobody practices getting a big lead out there. Uh, very few and far between now. And, you know, I think that Nick Senzel is healthy. He can still use some bases. I think that Jonathan India can still use some bases. And, you know, I'm not sure that Naquin can't run. I'm not sure that, you True. know, some of these other, you know, these other players coming up from the minors, uh, the youngsters, I believe they can run. So, you know, it could be an element of the game that is restored. I would love to, I would love to see it happen. I, I miss it. I, I, I always enjoyed, uh, you know, watching the Ricky Hendersons of the world go out there and steal bases. And I think it's something that's a little bit missed in the game. Uh, one of the other proposals again was the pitch clock being enforced. Yeah. And um, I've seen, I've seen comments online from pitchers saying, good luck with that trying to enforce it. I've seen, I've seen people saying that this doesn't really matter and they don't really care one way or the other. Um, one of the things I like about baseball, Jeff, is that there isn't really a clock to compete with. And the game just kind of has its natural ebbs and flows and, and whatever's happening on the field is what's happening on the field. And I don't know that I really like the idea of just this artificial number now to make a pitch, a pitcher rush. It, I think it will lead to, uh, not as effective pitching. I think we'll see, you know, velocity numbers come down because they're going to be working faster. They're going to be moving. Uh, you know, the Wade Miley's of the world will be fine with it, but you know, maximum effort type pitchers, I think need those extra few seconds between pitches to, to do what they do. I know Wade Miley's got a couple of nicknames, the Hulk and uh, more things like that, but it should be human pitch clock. I mean, nobody pitched faster than that guy. I, th that was amazing to see work, and I'll never forget that time in San Francisco when the ball boy was trying to get a ball that had gone back to the backstop, and he was already in his windup, and the kid was just trying to get out of the frame of the television screen, much less being in play. Um, but I, I think that the pitch clock itself is <sighs> – I'm I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, it's a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. I I don't think that there's that many people that think the game is too slow. I think the people who think the game is too slow are the people who are there every night, the people who are on broadcasts, the people who are do you know presenting the game to fans at home. I think that. When you're going to the ballpark, you understand you're at the ballpark. You're, you're not going to be at the ballpark for a set amount of time. You're not going to be there for an hour and a half. You're not going to be there for two hours. You're probably going to be there for three and a half to four hours 
And that's just what it's going to be. And if you're not ready for that, then why'd you go to a baseball game? But I, I think that the general fandom of baseball is fine with the length of time. In fact, this has been a debate ever since like the early 1900s that they thought the game was taking too long in some circles. So if it's been a problem for that long, it's not really a problem. I, I don't think that they're actually fixing anything. I think this is a, this is a, this is a headline grab. Hey, Hey, we mm-hmm. got a pitch clock. Look at us. We're doing something. We're doing something else here. We're doing, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, because I think one of the best things, like you said about baseball, is there ain't no clock. You can, you, you can be the team that comes back. You can be down by 10, but you can put together a rally that comes back in one inning. It's not out of the realm of possibility. So I, I, I think that putting a pitch clock on that kind of betrays that a little bit. I agree. And I think it's important just to reiterate that these rules have not been approved. Yeah. This is not something that is written and signed. This was an offer from the Players Association to the owners that if an overall agreement is reached, the players are willing to include in the deal that Major League Baseball can make these changes with, I think, what, 45 days notice was what was what was included in the language. So right. this is something I think that Major League Baseball's owners want. I think that it'll eventually happen and they'll do it, but it is not finalized yet. Right. It's it's a contingency thing. And that's the most important thing about this offer. This is the first offer since the owners made their proposal that the players turned down and opening day was then summarily canceled. This is the first proposal by either side since then. This was the players to the owners. And the owners, the spokesman for the owners said that they felt the Players Association kind of went backwards on some of their offerings and some of their ideas. In fact, in their proposal, they made no changes to what they were saying they wanted from the competitive balance tax. They made no changes for what they were asking for for minimum salaries. And they made no changes to the pre-arbitration pool, the three big topics that really is what's holding everything up. The competitive balance tax is probably the biggest one. So I think that if they can make that one step, if they can figure out the CBT, which of course, one of the owners who didn't even like the proposal made by the league to the players was Bob Castellini. He didn't like the fact that the competitive balance tax was being raised. Um, if they can figure that out, I think that the other stuff is going to fall in line. But until they figure that out, we're not getting baseball. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there's And there's a lot to unpack with Reds owner Bob Castellini, and that's going to be a whole other episode. Uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping notes, folks. I know there's some things you're waiting to hear from me on, and I'm keeping notes, and we will get into them, but uh, just ran out of time today. Yeah, we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's episode, along with we will look at the Reds lineup and where it ranks within the NL Central. But that'll do it for us here today on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening and making us your first listen of the day. Now go make Lockdown MLB your second listen as Paul Francis Sullivan please call him Sully gives you his unique perspective on baseball present and past as he just knows what anybody I mean he knows everything like if you picked up a baseball he probably knows who you are just he's got that kind of brain when it comes to baseball but that it will do it for us here today make sure that you're subscribed on all your many favorite podcasting platforms and right here on YouTube because it's the off season we're locked out and who knows when we're getting major league baseball back we got minor league baseball coming up and we'll be covering that too but hey steve what are we 
We are Locked On Reds every single day. See you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.